Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 36 of Cutscene Combos. This week we're going to be covering Who is Mr. Immortal, She-Hulk Episode 7, Rings of Power Episode 5, and or Episode 4, Deadpool 3? Iron Man game that we didn't get to last week. Some very worrying news for the Blade movie. Some good news for the Black Panther movie. Who'd win if Daredevil and Ghost Rider fought? There's so much to discuss. But first... Ari, how was your week? Uh, Stressful-ish? I don't know. It's just It felt like my week went from 0 to 100 and then from 100 to 1,000 real quick. Like... I, this is with work, but it's like, I felt like my week was going, okay, we're on top of projects, we've got a little bit of a chill period, then it was like, bam, here's a last Everything minute, all at once. here's a last minute project that's needed, oh, here's another last minute project that's needed, uh, oh wait, this last minute project now actually is needed even sooner, you only have a week instead of two weeks to work on it, so I'm just like, oh, shit, okay, yeah. This last-minute project is now overdue. <laughs> this last-minute project is now a huge rush job that I, I'm i going to have to get my head around. <laughs> One of the ones where someone gives you a piece of work and goes, I need this yesterday. Pretty much. And yeah. being, like, the question of, can we... This is needed yesterday. Are we able to do it? And it's like, yeah, um... Sure. It's one, of, it's one of them things of, yes, we can do it, but, I mean, something's got to give. Yeah, it's like, yes, we can do it, but I, um, I'm going to have to be the one who does it because I'm going to be putting in the extra hours. But, I mean, it's, it's it'll pay off. But, yeah, my week went from just, pretty, just pretty chill to, holy shit, this is now, I feel like I'm swamped. Um, other than that, which also has meant I've not played really any games all week. Yeah. Ga uh, gaming has been severely lackluster this week. Yeah. But, well, well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, in positive news of work this week, there is a high, well, depending how KCP's Rocket League team does, there is a decent chance that I might get to go to the Rotterdam Lounge in December. So, potential trips to Rotterdam pog. would be a fun little escape for a few days. That'd be very pog. It would indeed. Um, so, fingers crossed for that happening. Um, yeah, my, that's my week, trying to keep my head on straight. How's your week been? Very similar. Pure chaos. <laughs> um, similar to you, projects getting messed about with and the timeline of projects changing and... Because we were, or the way I work is very week to week mm. in the sense of I only worry about what I'm working on this week and next week is a different thing. Mm -hmm. Stuff getting changed last minute leaves me wholly unprepared. That's a bad um, Yeah, so, I mean, that's what's happened. I mean, we're getting there. It's just, it's just a lot. But fortunately, the changing around of project has actually left us with a bit more time to do the last minute project. Or the last minute switching, mm -hmm. um, which is meaning it's not too stressful. You're just kind of having to work out what you're doing as you go, which is never ideal. But such is life. Um, but it's good. Like the last nine months of doing this have been very good. And now I've got my Apple Watch and I'm setting reasonable targets and I beat them every day for like nearly two weeks. 
Nice. And it's just like the next nine months, we are not just going to upgrade the level and the quality and the amount of content. We are also going to look after one's health. Sure, at least 50% of us are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good. Um, there's just, you know how it is. There's lots going on. But yeah. would we have it any other way? Mm, I don't Maybe know. Maybe a bit more controlled <laughs> chaos, but. Yeah, yeah. A bit more like control to the fire but you know yeah. it's it happens but, you you ride the waves exactamundo anyway um so last week in she-hulk we got a very interesting introduction to a character that half the internet went who the fuck is this guy and the other half the internet okay that's, let's be more realistic here 80 percent of the internet went who the fuck is this guy and 20 percent of the internet went no fucking way um and i did like give a rough idea of like what they changed about him yeah, um but i thought on i thought what better an opportunity am i going to get to do a character profile on mr immortal so this week's character profile is mr immortal um so mr immortal aka craig hollis first appeared in the west coast avengers volume 2 number 46 all the way back in july 1989 about oh. two weeks after horry was born um, Bruh. <laughs> he is the one and only member of a very particular race. He is the one and only Homo Supreme. So we are Homo sapiens. Oh, is this a mutant Mut thing? Yeah, mutants are Homo superior. He is mm. Homo Supreme. He's just better. Um, and he is the only one who is Homo Supreme. Um, so this, as I said, is eventually he's the last evolution of humankind and he's destined to see the end of the universe. Look at him. Um, and as a result of this, he's kind of been put through the ringer because he didn't ask for this. Um, so Death Urge, who is kind of Marvel's messenger of death. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of routinely like creates accidents that kill off people Mr. Immortal is friends with or in love with or romantically entangled with or just cares about in any way. How kind of him. And Death Urge's kind of thing here is you need to understand now that everyone you know is going to die and you need to just get used to that. Yeah, bro, so I mean, he, a brutal so, lesson yeah, to learn. But. Yeah, Death Urge thinks he's doing him a favor. Like, I'm teaching you nice and early in your million years of being alive that everyone's going to die, but mm -hmm. pretty brutal ways. Anyway, um, so between all of his friends and loved ones dying around him and his only power being resurrected, like, it's not that he just can't be killed. He can be killed very easily. It's just he always comes back to life, which... Isn't as cool as it sounds because it means, yes, I got shot and left to bleed out, but guess what? That fucking hurt. And then I came back to life. And he doesn't have super strength or anything like that. So it's just a normal guy going around trying to stop crying, dying a lot, feeling all that pain, and then coming back to life. So as I'm sure you can imagine, he's like routinely very depressed. Yeah, it's not really a fun power to have. It's it's not the greatest existence one can think of. I mean, how many people would take immortality if it was offered to them? And I'm talking immortality where they just can't die. Forget dying and then coming back to life. 
I like the idea, though, that people would go, oh, yeah, I'd take immortality. Not realizing that it just means you can't die. It doesn't mean you don't feel death and the pain mm. of it. <laughs> and people go, ah, oh, this is not what I planned for. But um, one thing I didn't know about Mr. Immortal was that when he is resurrected after death, he normally is kind of in a bit of an uncontrollable rage for a little while. Okay. So he, like, comes back to life, like, just swinging, looking for fucking... All the smoke. I suppose Um, adrenaline rush, right? Yeah, so there was one person in the West Coast Avengers whose name I forgot to write down, who was his love interest at the time, who was pretty good at, like, calming him quicker so that he wasn't a danger to anyone. Um, But Death Urge pretty quickly saw to it that she wasn't about anymore. The sun's getting real low, big fella. Yeah, them kind of vibes exactly. Um... But here's the real, really, um, I think, the most tragically sad bit about Mr. Immortal. So, as I said earlier, his destiny is to be the sole survivor of the universe. And this is so he can be there to ask the question, which is just kind of like a um, a myth, I guess. Like, you've got to ask the final question. And it's like, oh, what is the question? You'll know when it's right. Ah. Um, But while that is his destiny, in reality... He is the universe's sick, twisted backup. Because he's not the person who's actually supposed to make it. Oh. The person who's supposed to make it is Franklin Richards, Reed, Reed and Sue Richards' son, right. who I've said before is very powerful. Mm-hmm. But obviously the, uni- the universe doesn't leave anything up to chance, so it's kind of got a built-in fail-safe of Mr. Immortal, just in case Franklin Richards doesn't make it. So he's got to live this existence of misery and despair and death. And there's not even a guarantee at the end of it that it's going to be worth anything. I mean, at least he might have a friend at the end. (laughs) Franklin Richards is a bit of an arsehole at times. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, when you're the last two people. (laughs) um, So yeah, his entire existence is pain and that is purely so he can be a backup in case someone more important than him can't make it. It's tough scenes, honestly. It's really, really rough. Obviously, we saw a very different side to him in She-Hulk, She-Hulk being a comedy. I think, while it's a very different version, I think they did kind of nail it for what they needed for the show, which was a bit of comic levity in this guy who just can't handle confrontation, so just throws himself out of a window instead of telling someone he doesn't love them anymore. And yeah. let's not, like, I think it's a pretty human experience to be in a situation where you're like, I really wish I could do anything to just not be here right now. Mm-hmm. And he has that out. He does. Um. So, like I said, lots of changes made to the character. Very obscure character. I'd call him kind of like a cult classic. I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, describe him. Mm-hmm. But um, there we go. There's a bit more on Mr. Immortal if you were at all interested. If you were like me and had no idea who he was. But that leads beautifully into She-Hulk episode 7, where yes. we got to enjoy the use of many smaller unknown villains. Yes, I had no idea about any of these. Yeah, it was fucking brilliant. Even I didn't recognise half of them. Um, I, I genuinely believe this was the funniest episode of She-Hulk so far. For me. Um, 
I felt myself chuckling at this episode more than any other. I don't know if I, it was the funniest one for me. There was definitely some good funny moments. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said. I enjoyed it, though. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, for me, this show is exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, very reliable. Very... Yeah. I mean, it just it ticks all my boxes. It's it's nice and short without... It doesn't, other than the first couple of episodes, I'm not sitting there going, I need another 20 minutes. Hmm. But I'm always looking forward to the next week, and it always gives me something. And it's it's different to what we've had from Disney Plus so far with Marvel shows, which I enjoyed. And it's also just like is and actually in a way very different to any Marvel content we've had. Um, thus, thus far. Yep. Um, so I will say though, I am disappointed with one with one thing. Gone. We we still haven't had our boy. Oh boy, he hasn't shown up. I know. It's, it's an interesting one. So, um, for those who need a recap of the episode in case you're catching up on the set at a later date, mm-hmm. um, the entire premise is Josh, who Jen met at the wedding, they've gone on a couple of dates, they've finally done the deed. Yeah, he's no longer my favourite Josh Crumb seasons back and first. <laughs> I did call that last week, but we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll there. Get we'll to, get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. Um, I'll, I'll so, yeah. so they finally slept together. Jem was getting all in her own head because he didn't instantly call her. Then Abomination's parole officer got in contact with her and said, Emil's inhibitor collar's not working properly. I have to go out there and check it. <laughs> Can you come along as his lawyer and as She-Hulk in case he's not feeling too cooperative? Which I think is a very interesting way to show how um, Jen's powers can be used in a very legal and useful way while still being a lawyer. I'll be honest, I feel like he was less asking because he was his lawyer. He was purely asking because he was told, well, we're not sending anyone with you. And he didn't want to go on his own, so he was like, oh, maybe She-Hulk will help me? Yeah, I mean, it, it helps that she has a vested interest in the case well, because yeah, she's his obviously. lawyer. Um, but I just thought that was very good. Um, then obviously once we're at um, Abomination's Ranch, he is mellow as he's been throughout the entire show, lets the guy do his ankle bracelet so it's working again, is very upset when the police officer runs away like, thank fuck that's over. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, I, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to be nice and chill. This guy still hates me for no real reason. I, yeah, he fucking sped off so fast. Um, Which I greatly enjoyed. And then as Jen's getting ready to go, because she wants to get back to the city to stare at her phone more for, to wait for Josh's call, we get Manbull and El Aruga, or The Eagle. Glad you, you um, did his name because I would have. I, I, I'm 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 so far off. I don't even know if it's remotely correct. I just <laughs> said it with chest. Um, come out fighting and bash into Jen's car, basically totaling it. Um, to which Jen isn't too best impressed. Yeah, I loved the <laughs> Mambo was rearing, like getting ready to go in for another thing. She just grabs him by the she. Changes to She-Hulk and then grabs him by the hundred and yeets him. Yeah, it was, it was very good. So w- what we get essentially is her at the retreat with a bunch of 
reforming villains. I won't say supervillains because other than Abomination, none of them are supervillains in the MCU. Um, who are trying to work on their issues to become functioning members of society, which in yeah. and of itself is a solid comedy concept. Oh yeah, and like the characters that they picked, one being probably people that a lot of viewers don't have a clue who they are. I'm going 95%. Myself included, didn't know them. And also very obscure. Like, each one is very different. I, I'm willing to bet, like, nine... Like, sorry, there was only four of them. I'm willing to bet probably three out of them four have only been used once or twice, ever. And maybe one of them, like, Mandel Possibly. or something, has been used a couple of more times. Possibly. Um, and then, and this is a bit that I'm really enjoyed about the show, is the Wrecker walks in from the Wrecking oh, yeah, Crew yeah. all the way back in episode two. Yep. Three? Whichever one. I think it was two because she mentions it. Um, yeah, and I really enjoyed the fourth wall break of, uh, can we do it previously on on this guy? Previously on <laughs> yeah. this guy. I was like, oh, um, this is this is Connor being attacked here. Yeah, I was like, that. I, I, I found that funny. That, that got a good chuckle out of me. Yeah. But the idea that the Wrecking Crew who do get used a lot in comics are in a really good like uh, we've, we've, we've got a comic here in between two arcs mm-hmm. we need a villain for it Wrecking Crew um, is that kind of vibe right. um, so to see him like oh no I'm staying trying to apologise when I saw him bearing in mind at the end of last week we saw the needle and everything mm. I was like wait they're going to get her to calm down and then she transformed back into Gem mm-hmm. 1 she was in the circle I was like they're going to jump her now and then they didn't. Yeah. No, I, like, when they're all sat there in the circle and he's like, why, why don't you go trust us with Jen for I'm like, this is a trap. This is, yeah. this is all a trap. I, I, I yeah. called this abomination. This is all a trap. And then nothing happens. And I'm like, oh, it's not a trap. Maybe I'm yeah. being too judgmental. Of the well, and, that, and you know what? I think that's exactly what it was. I think it was kind of the show going, people can change. You've got to give them a chance. But in my head, I'm like, Jen, don't do it. Don't do it. They're going to jump you. It's like the perf- It's like the classic show setup of someone getting double-crossed. And you're like, okay, uh-huh. well, we all know where this goes. Like typical show fashion. They're just going to get her to relax. And then this is going to be the opportunity where... He goes and stabs her with a needle. But I will say, I was thinking that, but then I was like, we saw a bigger needle though, so surely that meant that they didn't need her to be in gen form. So I was like, there was a little bit of like, okay, maybe this is legit, like creeped in there. And then obviously nothing happened. I did enjoy how they were all ready to roll up and absolutely kill him for ghosting her. (laughs) Yeah, when when she started explaining the situation more. It was when... um. Aguila used his sword with the bioelectricity and you just got a mill like um, you've been told about doing that in group can you please stop I also like that the the fake vampire as he was referred to or the guy that thinks he's a vampire they were all like yeah we should go beat him up and then he was like and suck his blood (laughs) just always (laughs) kept like just dropping in there and drink their blood (laughs) yeah which I think it, leaned into the whole, like, is he actually a vampire? Because this feels very forced in some yeah. of the things he's saying. Yeah. Um, but it was really, really good. I enjoyed it. We then obviously see Jane get back in her car after the tow truck comes to collect her. 
and she's ready to go back to the city, rejuvenated, mentally reset for whatever happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, which is then when we get the flashback to the night of the boinking. Yeah, three days prior. Yeah. Um, and my suspicions from last week that I did not want to believe are proven to be true. And Josh I, is I up said he to wouldn't. no good. I said, nah, he seems legit. And all oh, through, did you? Yeah, last week I said he seems legit. And you were like, nah, I don't, there's something I don't quite trust him, but yeah. I hope it's not the case. And then it's like, this episode is like, oh, they're meeting. I was like, oh, cool, they're meeting up. She's going on a date. Nice. Oh, second date. Oh, I was like, oh, third date. Because it was like bouncing through all the things that they were doing. And I was like, gosh, he's really, things are going well. And then he ghosted, and I'm like, ah, classic, classic guy just ghosted a girl because he didn't know how to handle the situation. And then we go to the free, and it shows him doing creepy shit. And I'm like, you fucking prick. We trusted you, Josh. Why? Yeah. Why are you it, making it, men look it, bad? <laughs> yeah, it it really did hurt, and I think that shows how good a job they did. Yeah, they really set him up well. Yeah. Um, um. Once again, we saw the name when he was texting to yeah, say Hulk, Hulk King. King. Yeah. I can't get past the the similarity between saying Hulk King and Hulkling. There. They're too similar in names, especially with the rumour of Hulkling being in this show, for me to write this off as a coincidence. It probably is a coincidence, but I can't in good conscience write off as a coincidence and then risk looking like an idiot if he does show up. There was something I saw online where someone said, what if Hulkling is referring to the leader? That is also very possible. Because he's more intelligent, he thinks he's the... I don't know what the leader would want with Hulk blood when Hulk blood's already got into his system, hence giving him his power. Well, I guess the idea is like if Hulk, if the leader's working for this new world order, if there's someone that wants yeah. it, maybe it's just it's just, it's it's interesting to see where this goes. And with two episodes left, I hope they don't try and wrap this up during the series. I hope mm. we get left with more questions than answers because right now, for them so to wrap this up. Yeah, for them to wrap this up now, the pacing's going to be thrown off. And this, so far, the pacing's been great. This is my one... F- like, I'm really enjoying this series, and I'm enjoying the whole, like, sitcom, and essentially is a lawyer show, and each episode has its own little, like, sub-thing. My worry is shows of this style are usually like 20 episodes long for a season because it allows them to very slowly build an overall arc of story, like a story arc. This only being nine episodes long, I'm worried they're going to try and wrap something up at the end. Yeah. And it's like... But they could just decide they're going to set up for a second season. They could... um, my worry with that, though, is if they set up something that feels like kind of an urgent issue. Like, if they set it up in quite a cliffhanger way and then we have to wait, like, another year and a bit or something for season two, yeah. it's kind of rough. It is. So, but what we do need to discuss is something that we both saw once again, basically instantly after finishing recording last week. 
mm-hmm. which is TikTok's theories about Nikki. Oh yeah. Now I don't know how like in depth the stuff you saw about this was. I know I sent you some bits, but I don't think I sent you the most in depth one I saw. But some basically one about like one. Yeah. So she did our favorite um thing that I'm spotting that I've said for months now is going to lead up something that you're not hundred percent convinced on. Um, of people looking straight down the camera. Um, she did that last week when they were looking at yep. the fake credit. Oh, by the way, Intelligentsia is a supervillain um, black net website in the comics where supervillains right, communicate. Okay. They just reddited it up for this to make it seem funnier. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but basically... Oh, I threw my train of thought off. The theory, yes. Yes. So she's she's looked down the four four, which everyone's like, "Ooh, why has she done that? That's suspicious." Mm-hmm. Um, people have also gone back in other episodes, and they you can see her smirking in the background occasionally for no apparent reason when Jen's breaking the fourth wall, as right. if she can hear what Jen's saying. Yeah. Um, she has an earring that you can only see when she's breaking or when it appears that she's looking straight down the camera that's dangling hidden behind her hair normally, mm-hmm. that looks like Agatha's necklace. Right. And in the comics, Agatha had a son called Nick. Interesting. And obviously the main thing is Nicky has a necklace that's like a pentagram. Yeah. Is it a pentagram? Is that uh, the right shape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so people are maybe a little bit suspicious of Nikki and her potential motives and maybe Nikki isn't a friend after all. Yeah, that... So, your theory with the whole 4-4 breaking is like, I agree that there's something going on. I just... There's some of the ones where people are claiming it's that. I don't know if they're like... There's some where it's like very hard to tell if it is them actually looking at the camera or not. Properly. Yes. Sometimes it's Some maybe a little ones. editing mistake, and sometimes it's definitely that person's just stared straight down the camera. But yeah, I would say this one with Nikki definitely is like she stares at the camera, mm. and though I think also the kind of reason I've that I feel like there's something in this is because the way that Wonder Vision played out, and like how Agatha and that. Really, we had no indication that anything really was dodgy. Like we no knew one... Agatha was a bit sus, but not to the extent. Yeah, we. But like, people definitely didn't pick up on it until it kind of was like, "Oh shit, she's sus." Mm-hmm. Um. So now I feel like people are definitely more wary of these overly friendly characters at times. Um. Uh huh. So yeah, I think. Whether we get a reveal of anything before the end of the season, I don't know. We might. It might be a case of the last episode, we get a scene of just Nikki talking to someone that then reveals something about her. Very, very um, possible. In before she's Hulk King. I mean, uh, uh, maybe. Who knows? And she's um, been wanting the blood. Yeah, you did touch on something that I do want to mention earlier about um, there being no Daredevil yet. Oh, yeah. I can only assume that means he's going to play a big part in the last two episodes. Has to be. It ha- it... There, there, there's only like maybe 50 minutes of the show left. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to be in at least like 
I don't mean actual screen time, but I mean be around for at least 30 minutes of that. So I'm taking 10 minutes at the beginning of the next episode, 10 minutes off the end where Jen's wrapping up her shit. Mm. And that gives us a 30 in the middle. Yeah, I think it's getting to the point now where like he has he has to be kind of the main person introduced next episode. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I worry if they just do it as some like ending post credit scene or something where they meet and talk, it's kind of like, well, why did you tease that like so early with like the trailer and stuff? It's like if it, if they don't actually make use of him in some way, I feel like they've just blue balled the whole community for no reason. Yeah. And and I'm okay with the bit of blue balling they've done so far where they've made us wait for seven full episodes. That's yeah. okay. But if all we get is like at the end of the very last episode, them meeting, yeah, that that is genuinely a, a point of contention, which I think is valid. Um, but overall, this show has been phenomenal in my opinion. I've really enjoyed it. There was also still no post credit scene again this week, which is yeah, upsetting. Another... Yeah, I, I, I mean, feel like I got debated because the there was the rumor that there was one every episode, and then like the first three episodes all had one. Well, it's not. It's more than that. It was the first no, five. We haven't it's had only one the last for like two weeks. I haven't had one. No, it's not had one for like three weeks. But they were all like little comedy skits, and it would have been so perfect. Um, yeah, I'm to just have so little funny things. <laughs> I like mean, a... this this one at the end of today's episode could have literally been them, like t- putting port like with nose plugs in, putting the porcupine suit into like a big industrial washing machine or something. Yeah, they they could have done all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I but do feel like they've it, missed it opportunity. Is what it is. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just funny little thirty second bits to make us laugh. Yeah. Um. Anyway, mm-hmm. the show so far has been really good. I'm looking forward to see where it ends up and what we can look forward to from it. Maybe in a second season or a She-Hulk film or just She-Hulk outings in other shows and stuff. Yep. And hopefully we get a substantial Daredevil interaction. That would involvement. be phenomenal. Because I miss my boy. So, um, does, so does everyone. Rings of Power, episode yes. five. And we promise this week... We are not going to talk about this for an hour. I refuse. An hour and a half of Rings of Power. And then... Yeah. I, we, I swear, the episode's not going to be three hours this week, guys. No, no, no. I promise we're gonna we're gonna hit that like hour fifty two hourish mark that seems to do the best. I promise. But yeah, Rings of Power a week ago. Yeah, um, I'm really enjoying the show. It likes it. It's one of these shows that I'm not like analyzing too much. I'm just yeah. kind of enjoying it. So it's probably stuff there for people to analyze that's going straight over my head. Um. I'm finding the Harfoots, Nori, and Stranger story mm-hmm. very compelling and impossible to take my eyes off of. And at times with some of the other stories where it gets a bit... You know how when shows try and be a bit too artsy, you get a lot of scenes where there's just like no conversation at all. And they're just like, oh, look at this thing. Um, there's a lot yeah. of times when there's stuff like that and I'm just like... Can I just see more of The Stranger and Nori, please? Yeah, it's... There's a, there's a lot, like, I'm like you, the the whole stuff with the the Hobbits and the Meteor Man. 
love that love and i know that there's some people out there that aren't that into this whole hobbit's history sort of play on things because it's not like an official thing or like they're not into like how they're setting the hobbits up which i i can understand but i think there's also the part of like it's fun because there's not anything it's being compared to like there isn't like already set stuff that they're not doing there's just there's nothing so realistically like this could all be like perfectly fine um but all that stuff's cool i really love the whole durin and elron Jordan and Elrond, I've got, I've got some comments about their relationship later. Um, but then, um, what? I agree with you, there's there's definitely, I know that this show is multiple seasons, and obviously there's a large span of time they're trying to go over, it kind of feels like sometimes in the episodes, there's sometimes over-explaining, and like, stuff doesn't need to be, like, they're going into too much detail with certain things, which will, there's a couple of things this week, so this week's episode but it's because there's so many different storylines going on at the same time like you say like it gets a bit like you lose a bit of interest in some of those because either they're just moving too slow or there's not like enough going on really with them um which is kind of the tough balance with fantasy i feel especially when you're trying to tell the story i i did like the way they took the um they did the walking song to like show the half of traveling. It made me weirdly emotive. Like that song, re- I don't know if it was just the way it was put together and the style of music, but when I'm sitting here watching it with my headphones on, just sitting here, it just it, it genuinely created a kind of um, emotional response. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't sitting there, oh, it's so pretty, but it definitely created that feeling of like something is happening, which was. um quite nice and i find shows generally struggle to do that for me it it felt like very much like the so it fit right in with the the songs from lord of the rings and stuff like it felt very much a part of the actual talking world and i don't actually know if that song is in the books or if it was made up for the show but that whole montage of them traveling i loved and actually like showing the migration and these different places that um i know people are trying to work have been trying to work out where they're traveling um in relation to how they end up at the shire and i think some of those places we saw shots of are like hinting at places we know from lord of the rings and stuff like i'm not i'm not 100 sure if they were trying to make out you know the marsh they went through mm-hmm. is the same one that we see in lord of the rings with the um is the old battlefield where the elves are all in the water and if it's that pre all of that if it's the same because it's sort of that area of middle earth that they're in yeah um i'm interested to see where they end up and if it is going to end up with them like setting up in the shire and then deciding to not leave yeah the whole thing with the the wolf wag looking things mm. and we actually got to see kind of the first other than like the bit with the the little bugs and him like kind of controlling the trees and stuff this was the first time we saw the stranger actually kind of do some magic yeah proper powerful and do you know what the thing is like he saved them from them 
creatures. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is definitely Gandalf. And then we get to like him with the ice and blasting Nori like 50 foot away. And I'm like, wow, they really just don't want to admit it's Gandalf. And they're like definitely still trying to keep up that tone of maybe he's good, maybe he's not. Ooh. So you've got him. He's obviously starting to pick up on the language and being able to speak. And there's a bit when Nori talks about perils and he says he's a peril. Um, no, she... Skylar, I am the danger. <laughs> and she's like, no, no. Um, and then, yeah, there's the whole thing where, like, he does that weird shockwave thing and then realising that it has hurt him. Fucking like, destroyed his arm. Because the thing is, like, he's now in a mortal body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, like, him sort of understanding that. But then he, we see him heal himself. And why Nori thinks it's a good idea to grab an arm that's freezing? I, I, don't... I, I don't know. I really it's don't know. It's classic, like, why Why are you grabbing that? Like, wh why yeah. did you think that was going to go well? Um, He's muttering in a language you can't understand as ice is spreading over his body. You do not touch him. You see <laughs> yeah. if you can talk to him, but you do not touch him. Yeah. Um, I. So, because it was kind of a bit of... He, we're seeing a bit more like interaction against animals and stuff. Like a little bit of me is like, is this Radagast the Brown? Or is it a blue wizard because they were meant to come first? Or is it definitely Gandalf? It's They're definitely so... sprinkling in enough of everything to keep people. Yeah. Guessing. They they clearly don't want to give it up. That I definitely feel like they're they know because he's interacting with the, the Harfoots and the Hobbit, like everyone's going to go, oh, this must be Gandalf. And I don't know if they're trying to do that as a decoy for actually who he is. Or if all of the other shit he's doing is to throw off the potential he's got to be Gandalf stuff. Yeah. You, like, don't, know what, you don't know what half is the decoy shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, 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 I'm enjoying all that side of things and getting to see those interactions between like, they're becoming more comfortable with him. Yeah. Um, which is very enjoyable to see. Now, this is my big sticking point with this show that I'm about to bring up. Okay. We get introduced to someone I'm pretty sure we've not seen before, the person in the white that goes down to where the meteor man crashed. What I would refer to as, or I've seen referred to as the cultists. Okay, the cultists. We've not seen them before, have we? I know no. we saw them in trailers, but we've not seen them in the show. We've seen, yeah, all we've seen previous to this was like a promo picture of the, the one da that went down to... Okay, cool. There are too many fucking characters in this show for the layman like myself to easily keep track of, especially with the fucking naming conventions that Tolkien went for. Yeah, this this goes off like what I was saying at the beginning. Um, like there's a lot there's a lot of storylines in play that it feels at times like they try to have too many going on in one episode because they don't want because they're all happening at the same time, like they don't want you to forget about one side of things. They're trying to show you everything that's going on at once. I, which... I would almost have rather them do a season for each of these storylines. So say there's five storylines, they do five seasons, so, and then season six is all of them at the end of them stories, reconverging and meeting together. Because obviously these stories all end up together somehow. I think that would have been great, had they not been trying to span a story that goes across like thousands of years this is the problem like they're trying to condense such a large time span into this show that if they did a season per like story that was going on like either they'd have to condense it even smaller to fit it into a season or we're gonna be like 
getting nowhere with the whole story. It's kind of like a problem they've put themselves into. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like, I do think the cultists, these free people that we don't really know, they're just on the hunt. All we saw is they were the meteor site and the weird, like, plate thing that they had had a rune on the back that was like what uh, the stranger was drawing. We don't know anything about them. We just know that they're looking for... They didn't um, look particularly friendly. No. One theory I've seen is that they're like cultists of Sauron. Um, or they're like... They they clearly know or they're very interested in the, the Meteor Man. So I don't know how they're going to play into things. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's kind of just chucking in three more... Like a new storyline into things when it's like okay there's already especially when storylines are already heating up yeah everything had felt like it got established and going and then you're suddenly just chucking into one new and it's like oh yeah. fuck's sake um yeah one thing i one thing i did notice pretty consistently along all of the storylines this week mm-hmm. tones of doing as the forefathers ancestors ones before you did are really strengthening We've got the dwarves and the elves rekindling their friendship. We've got Numenor standing with the elves once again. We had half the humans at the tower going to stand with the orcs once again. Mm. We had the halfets, as they should, moving on to do as they always do and relocate. It's very much... uh, History is repeating itself, but no one mm-hmm. seems to have put two and two together. That history repeating itself means there's a big conflict coming that's going to be bad for everyone. Yeah, there's a lot building up to what is going to be a big conflict, and I'm not sure which way it's going to go. So we had, like you mentioned, the half the men, humans, whatever, going, deciding, ah, fuck this, we don't want to die, we're actually going to go... <laughs> find out we're gonna go worship that guy and we're like oh what's his name um waldrick fucking rocks up and he's like oh sauron i've been waiting for your return and you kind of get a dog look at him and be like the fuck you so apparently like i, I kind of forgot this but like sauron never actually kind of went by his name he always used like other names and he only got referenced in name like a couple of times in the books so it's like one theory is like he was pissed at Waldrick because bitch why are you using my real name? And then the other is like it's Adar's like who the, who the fuck do you think I am? I'm not that person. I am the big dog you will fear me. Yeah. I ain't this person you think I am. I'm worse than them. So well that's what he thinks. And like Adar also there's a point where Adar mentioned he was chatting with one of the orcs when he's like enjoying the sun and he talks about like the sun being gone. I think that's in that reference to obviously Mount Doom eventually erupts, and it. I think it's him referencing the fact that like something's gonna happen this season. Maybe it's at the end, like Mount Doom erupts, and that's like the start of Mordor. Um, because we do feel like we've we've talked about the fact that that's obviously what it's building up to. Um, mm-hmm. and then we also got the sword got revealed, didn't it? Yeah. Um. Finally, Theo actually did something good. Hey, I've got I've got some thoughts about that. Okay. Um, but my second part about the sh- the the strengthening mm-hmm. of the themes of doing as your forefathers did, in every one of them stories, however, 
there is someone who's going, that didn't work last time, let's do this way instead. Yeah. And what that's creating is also a lot of these relationships that have been established being strained. Mm-hmm. So we got um, Isildur and his father. Their yep. relationship was being strained. Obviously, it's recovered slightly towards the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But that was being strained. You have Theo and his mum kind mm-hmm. of not knowing what to do. Um, Halbrand and Galadriel, who'd been kind of looking out for each other since the shipwreck, butting heads massively. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting to see a lot of like established relationships as people you would expect to always have each other's back, kind of pulling against one another. Yeah, there's a lot of um, questioning within themselves when you would expect them to be having conflict with other people. Yeah, the inner um, fighting. Yeah. And I guess the only ones we haven't... Well, we kind of saw it last week with the dwarves, with Jorin and his father, but... um, Yeah, there's a lot of kind of internal things going on. And this is the thing, is like, we've got essentially three different storylines going on with different issues. And it was like, like you mentioned, we saw Theo questioning whether he should leave. And then we got his mum then questioning about leaving which i don't know if you felt this but when she was having that argument in like the middle of the yard with um i forget the yeah it felt like fake yeah it felt like like, they're putting on a show and i couldn't tell if they were or if it was actual legit and it's just kind of like come across badly um I hope it was kind of like staged as a way to try and like strengthen everybody because he like. But I also had issues with the way the argument between Galadriel and Halbrand took place. So, you know, when she went to see him about like, okay, I'm losing a bit of control over this situation. I need you to actually be willing to be king. The the constant cutting of the shot between like them staring at the camera. Like you're supposed to be the other person in the Mm. argument. I didn't like it. It felt weird. It threw off the flow. Something about the Mm. internal conflicts for like a 10 minute period there was just shot really poorly. Yeah, I didn't like, see, I, I quite enjoyed how their like relationship had evolved. So the relationship itself, I don't have an issue with it. It was literally the cinematography Mm. of the argument I had issue with. (laughs) It was so janky. It just felt weird. Mm. especially when they gave up with doing it halfway through the scene as well see i like that that, that threw me off even more i'm like what what if you're gonna stick to this god-awful angle like actually stick to it it's like they did half the argument like okay this is shit but i'm not gonna refilm it so we'll just start using proper angles again i don't i don't know it just felt weird the whole like shit going on at numenor is slow like so we got a very typical which this is where i don't mind it i can imagine some people are take it or leave it the whole fucking classic sword fight training that i feel like every fantasy show has to have i really enjoyed that scene i enjoyed it my thing was i enjoyed it because i i can imagine to some people they're like oh this is your typical like sword fight practice in the yard like obviously one of them would just kill the other one accidentally if this was legit 
or like that many people would quite clearly lop off Galadriel's head. But I actually felt like this was the first time they showed how good of a fighter and warrior Galadriel is in the fact that she could take on four guys effortlessly. And it's like, they've kind of been lacking it, like trying to showcase that she is this powerful, like she is some impressive fighter. And like, we hadn't really been shown that. And like, I think that that was one issue I think a lot of Lord of the Rings fans had had because she's meant to be this like really great fighter. And we can't, Really you you literally stolen one of my bullet points there. My bullet point is verbatim. Brilliant sword fighting scene to illustrate Gladrill's strength and skill. Yeah. And I think in that sense, like it was a great scene to include. And then the whole thing of her and how I, I liked how they very kind of sneakily showed more of what Halbron's actually his skills in how mm-hmm. he flicked the sword up and also just his blacksmithing skills. Yeah, very, um, very cool. Which he's quite clearly somehow got that guild crest off of um, Farrison for something. Like whether he's yeah. traded a bit of information or something, I don't know. Because he, he's suddenly got a guild crest and he's forging. Um, but that whole, he clearly wanted to stay there. And we actually got a bit of development on kind of Gladriel and her realizing if she's not careful on her kind of like chase of this evil power that she could she could end up losing herself and a bit of self-reflection like oh shit i am kind of balancing on a line here that i'm leaning the wrong way which was nice to see um and then obviously we saw halbrand eventually sort of like come to terms with it and accept what was being told at him which off my comments last week when I mentioned, I wonder if this is him like being manipulative and playing, and maybe he is Sauron, and he's being corrupted. This feels like it. I don't feel like that's the case now because I'm like, this yeah. is some weird like three D level of chess he must be playing. If I, this I is think the case. it would make yeah. I think it would make less sense for that to be the case now. A couple of episodes back, one hundred percent, that would have made sense. I feel like now it would be a bit weird. Mm. It, you uh, know like when sometimes shows do stuff that makes no fucking sense just to have that ah oh, you didn't see that coming moment but it actually makes no sense that's what it would be if it was to turn yeah. out that way now I I don't know if he will be what Galadriel wants him to be but I don't think he is Sauron I, um, I agree with that Um, th- so there's one issue that I don't know if it's from the whole during and I, I enjoyed the whole little kind of ego tension at the meal um, to which got f- completely thrown out when Jerem was like, this stone is for reserved for our dead. And I'm like, oh shit, he's pissed. Um, and then obviously a, a lot happens before this next bit, but then we get to the point where like they're they're walking it back through the the forest and you can just tell on Duran's face that oh this was this was all a joke this was yeah a it was it was when the, it was when the elf slips a little bit and Duran chuckles yeah and Elrond just kind of goes it was a joke wasn't it <laughs> it's like 
Yeah, decent for one in a new table, so... I and just wanted Jiren to look at me and go, get Frank, lol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, part of me then was like, um, I forget the fucking elf leader. Why has it gone out of my head? The High King. High King. I, then I'm like, did he know? And he just played along with it? Because, like, he's been around a while. Like, he probably wouldn't know if that was the case. I think that's why Jiren asked where he got the table. Because if he knew where he got the table, he would potentially know that the story was bullshit. If he doesn't remember where he got the table, there's a better chance of him not knowing that Durin's story was bullshit. I think that's why Durin asked him that first. I think also, though, that the High King would let him have this win, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it, he knows he's about to admit to Elrond that he's been bullshitting him this whole time. Um, and he needs... Elrond to still be in good favour with the dwarves. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'll I'll take a little bit of a hit and let hit the dwarves think they've got a hand up in yeah. the hope that then when I send Elrond to beg for salvation, they um don't view it as us being superior to them. Yeah. Now there's a I think the big thing of contention that I've seen from Tolkien fans and also I feel I, even I feel it was a bit unnecessary. It was the whole thing about Mithril's origin. Okay. So that's not... Like, Mithril doesn't have an origin in, like, in the books. Like, that's not, okay. how, that's not where Mithril comes from. In, it's in, just a natural ore that's super in, rare. Yeah, it's very rare, and Tolkien never really explains where it's come from. And in a way, that leaves it to mystery, which kind of makes it better in my sense. It's one of these things where I feel like Amazon's kind of over explained something to try and like push it a bit too much. It, it, like, kind, it kind of sounds like, because correct me if I'm wrong. So the dwarves mining for Mithril is what unleashes the um, thing at the bottom. Yeah, the Balrog. Essentially, yeah. yeah, essentially they get greedy for wanting more of it and they keep mining deeper and deeper and so deeper. i think they wanted to move away from the idea of the dwarves being greedy for it mm. and try and make it a noble thing they were trying to do that they end up getting punished for don't get me wrong it doesn't make it a better version or a worse version or anything i think that's what amazon were going for the thing is the balrog being open up happens so much later so I'm like, I don't know if that... And the, the the problem is, it's like, it's such a established thing from Lord of the Rings that everyone knows that's going to obviously what's going to come from it, that they kind of have to lean into that. I So here's the thing. They talk about the origin. He gets Elrond to recite the story of some, like, elven lore thing. Yeah. Um, and they talk about the... Um, Silmarillion gems and there's three of them right so in the books um one is the on the crown of some i forget his name another gets thrown out into the ocean and another is buried in a cavern with an elf warrior guy so the idea that there's one in a tree goes against all that um playing into this idea that there's an elf fighting a balrog there's like tales and stories of elven warriors doing that and that kind of i feel is like where they've pulled that idea from 
Um, my thought, and something that I have seen someone, like some people who watch the show thinking, is Elrond mentions that, like, that tale is... I can't remember. It's like they, he uses the Elven words for it, but basically says, like, oh, that's kind of, like, made up. Like, people don't really actually believe that's what happened. It, it's a fairy tale. It's Robin Hood. It's not... Yeah, people people have said it for many years, but there's no truth behind it. It's just one of them. Yeah. Um, and obviously it must be the high... so difficult to have fairy tales in Elven <laughs> culture with them all being around for 12 billion fucking years. And you obviously get the High King trying to be like, no, that is legit. I actually so a theory and i my I kind sources of, are i made it the fuck up <laughs> well here's the thing it's like it could this whole thing could actually just be like they visually showcased that story and made out like that's the origin of mithril it could just be the high king manipulating elrond into thinking there is a dire need for this mithril and like it's our like race's like birthright to have mithril it's going to save us all and it could all be like a whole manipulative thing that it is actually a lie and that's not true to any like sort like origin of mithril and the high king's just playing off that to manipulate elrond yeah well you've got the um the guy who's gonna make the rings who was obviously being corrupted but doesn't know it yeah is it possible that he knew Elrond wouldn't betray his friend, so he convinced the king that using this story was the way to get him to go along with it? So the king is also kind of being manipulated. So the king does genuinely believe they need the Mithril to survive, and he's just manipulating Elrond to an even higher degree to get what he thinks he needs, even though that's just what what's his face wants. Possibly. I do think there's some, like, the High King that believe that the Mithril's going to help them in some way. And I think, I think there's a lot of we're being shown one thing, but it actually ends up not being the truth. I think Amazon is playing with us a bit here. It's hard though, because it's obviously because they're straying away from the books quite a bit. We don't know if they are going to stay more true to the books or not. Um, there's a lot seems to be going on, and I don't. I definitely don't trust this. Really, like the high king and what's going on um well, yeah i mean we we found out for certain in this episode that um Jiren and Jiren's father were right to be suspicious of the elves yeah. granted elrond didn't know but they they yeah. knew there was more at play and they've been proven to be right um so i definitely i think it's going to be interesting to see how they play off because obviously they said they're going to go back and try and persuade during the third, Jiren's father. How they play into that, I don't know. Um, what what I do have to bring up, however, okay, is a line that Jiren uh, said to Elrond. Mm -hmm. This is a direct quote. I double checked to make sure. Give it to me raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about it? <laughs> Well, ignore the fact that in the sentence Paul that he literally used the word meat as well. My man said, "Give me your raw meat." What? Why? Why is he even pretending that he's in love and married to Deesa when he's clearly <laughs> in love with Elrond? Nah, he's just homies being homies. My man literally went, "Okay, we almost lost four dwarves trying to mine this stuff, but I love you so much. I'm I'm willing to risk all the dwarves if it's going to save you and your homies." 
well, these two just need to go in a room and make out already. Do you know what the foot? So there's the whole thing where he's sat on the rock and Jordan jokes about basically he's like, so I hold the el- all the elven lives in my hand. And it's kind of like this whole dwarves and elves have always kind of butted heads. So it's kind of this like, oh, so you're saying I finally have one up. We're, we're going to be the better race because we hold your future in our hands. Yeah. Sort of thing. Being like, oh, ha, we are the better, the better people. You're welcome. And I like how it kind of like, we are getting to see those like fun sort of interactions between the elves and the dwarves that obviously eventually became on. There's a lot more kind of hatred between the two of them. But I like this kind of banter sort of, Friend, friendly banter that Durin and um, Elrond have. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. Like, I'm very interested to see whether that all the Mithril stuff goes. Um, the only other thing that from this episode that I want to bring up is the whole. So, I guess the end of the episode where Numenor is prepping to leave, and Halbrand's yeah. there, and Galadriel's in her gifted armor and looks great. Cool. I'm not a fan of the Numenor armor. I'm going to be honest. Really? I quite liked it. I didn't like the helmet, but the actual armor I quite liked. So the helmet, I didn't mind. And like the whole horse hair thing, because like Numenor is meant to, where the city's based, I'm pretty sure is known for like having like a mate, like great horses or whatever. So it kind of plays into that theme that there's these horses that are from Numenor. I just didn't like, I'm like, they're meant to be great warriors from Numenor, and they're there in like this like leather, white leather, beigey leather, and it's like it kind of would have looked cooler if they had some sort of more if it was more metal chest plates, and they felt more like these warriors that they're meant to be. You're you're looking for like more bright, shiny kind of. Um, well, there's a shot of the queen, and she has like a metal version. Of the chess play on. It's like if they'd been in those rather than this like white beigey leather, I think it would have looked that. cooler. Um I did like um the, I forget the captain's name now. God, so many names. Um Silda, Yeah, Silda's dad or whatever. He has the extra like things on his helmet, which are very much like the ones we see in Lord of Rings with the those knights that guide the uh, guard the white tree. And they had like big sort of similar things so it's i feel like they've pulled from that and played off that because obviously they're meant to be linked um also considering numenor is meant to be this great city they oh they yeah sure they lost two ships but they have no more ships yeah that was like, weird i don't know the, if, I, I don't know if that was just like the queen like you get five ships nothing more or one blew up you get four now yeah like, it was a bit the, weird they were down to three i'm like you clearly have the volunteers still because no one was on the ships, but like you only have free ships, so I'm like, mm, something is, is a bit of a weird kind of yeah. Numenor's not being portrayed quite what I expected. Yeah, it it's, looks as regal as you're expecting, but it's not acting as regal as you'd expect. Well, yeah, it's kind of missing that army to go with it, which yeah, that makes sense. Maybe we're just not seeing it yet, but um, overall, I think that's about. I think that's about all we've got to say for Ring of Powers this week. Rings yeah. of Power. Overall, um, I'm enjoying I, it. Um, I, I just wish it wasn't so jumpy at times. 
Yeah, and um, I think that just comes with, unfortunately, how many different... What I need is some of these storylines to finally join. So, like, we yeah. need Galadriel and all the Numenor stuff to finally get to... meet to... up with and An- Arondir and stuff. Yes, and uh, yeah. get to the Tower or something. And that, that all merge, then that condenses all of that, like multiple storylines going on like it it brings a, a good chunk of it together i think it will feel a lot better when that happens agreed agreed um but that takes on to andor episode four yes and let me just say i am in love with this fucking show i don't know what about it i'm gonna be honest book of boba fett season one i, did, I haven't actually finished it yet because i was <gasps> struggling to watch it I, I i wasn't enjoying it that much i need to go back and binge it at some point but i just didn't get through it and or give me more. I'm loving it. Okay. I've made I've made no secret on this channel that I'm of the opinion Rogue One is the best thing Star Wars has ever created. It is nailing the Rogue One vibes. So quick thing I'll touch on why I think you're enjoying this more than Book of Boba Fett. My I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett, but I will stun I will say like it is the weakest Star Wars show we've had out of all of the newer stuff. And I, think I think it also had, correct me if I'm wrong, it had a lot of the thing I was saying about Rings of Power, it's just lots of scenes of just, like, a lot of silence. So... I, I need I need, I need, need conversation between characters. My issue with Book of Boba Fett was I liked how they were building him up and we were getting these flashbacks of whatever, and the issue with Book of Boba Fett was, like, Halfway through the second half of that season, we just ditched Boba Fett and it became Mandalorian. Oh, did it? Well, oh, shit, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> like I said, I mean, Mando it's not, shows it's up. not a spoiler this late. Mando okay, shows up. We'll go back and watch it then. <laughs> and we essentially get season 2.5 for a couple of episodes. Oh, okay. Like, we get like a the so, crossover. And so it kind I definitely of, need to watch Book of Boba Fett before Mando I would, season 3. I would go watch it. It just helps like merge a few things. But it's like okay, it's this cool. weird thing of then it loses its place as like Boba Fett show, uh, yeah. whereas Andor is very much the rougher street level of Star Wars that we love and we know from Rogue One and like that raw early Empire days and getting well, to mid Empire days at this point, height of the Empire. Yeah. Um. We're getting, I, like, that vibe constantly. Yeah. Being back on Coruscant, mm-hmm. bro, when I was watching it and Coruscant popped up, mm-hmm. I was like, no fucking way. So the message I sent in Discord going, is this the first time we've been back on Coruscant mm-hmm. since yep. the prequels? I literally paused the episode to fight <laughs> that message. I was like, holy shit. I was so hype. So I saw that, and my initial thought was like, hmm. Are we going to get slum level? Because are we going to see the rich being rich? Or oh, well, or I was like, are we going to? Is this us going to the Galactic Council? Are we? Are we going to go? Are we going to be back there for the first time in ages? And then it's like, it's neither of those. We get two completely like kind of new aspects of uh, Coruscant that we haven't really experienced, which is. Something that I loved from this episode is we actually got a more detailed and kind of like inside look at how the Empire was 
running things and how they mm -hmm. managed like intel and we go to the bureau of intelligence or whatever they call the building and there's like inner workings of how they are how the empire was trying to manage the entire galaxy um yeah. i really enjoyed that kind of inside look on things and perspective from their side of things of how they look at intelligence that comes in and why they would go to certain planets yeah and actually shows um, why later like the films later down the line we don't see those independent security things managing things and this show kind of sets why that happens the, these guys kept fucking up and yeah, that's the, what ended up spreading the empire too thin and allowing the rebels to get their chance yeah they end up the empire's like well you're doing a shit job we'll just do it in-house um yeah i thought that was what, really cool what we got to see from that so, so um right now this show in my opinion is giving me vibes of three things i've seen before okay so what i've gone for is i've gone red dawn james bond and children of men and i'll, I'll explain why so red dawn for those who don't know was originally a 1980s film. Um, it has been redone, I want to say, in 2015. Um, and the concept is, in the initial film, Russia invades America overnight and takes over the entire country. Like, a perfectly executed mm. military takeover. In, in the dead of night, no one sees it coming, and instantly America is under Russian control. And Red Dawn follows these band of, like, like people getting ready to leave high school, so like 17, 18 year olds mm -hmm. um, who form a, a freedom fighting group called the Wolverines in a tiny little town who fight back. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of vibes I'm getting from um, where Cassian is now with the rebels getting ready to execute their heist. Yep. Then James Bond, I think everyone can tell that this is more a Luthan story with this whole kind of, he's definitely involved at a very high level with the empire he's brushing elbows with the important people he's got them connections with the people working within the galactic senate and stuff that mm -hmm. want the empire to fall mm -hmm. and then children of men this one's a bit more obscure i don't know this was a book i believe that people might be more familiar with but there was a film and basically the premise of the film is no one can have babies anymore so okay. Um, like the film starts with the the death of the youngest person in the world being announced. Um, he was like 19 and like 300 days or something. And because of this, he was like the biggest celebrity in the world. Right. Because okay. no one had been born after him. Right. Um, and he got like stabbed to death because of how famous he was. Um, and then the premise of the film is eventually they find a pregnant woman. Right. Okay. So after 19 years of no one being born, there's this one woman that's pregnant and you've got the governments and that trying to keep it hush-hush and they're on the run to protect this woman to give birth to work out how this is even possible because no one can give birth anymore. What's happened? Right. Um, and that's like the real dystopian feel I'm getting from all of these planets that hasn't been Coruscant. Because on mm -hmm. Coruscant, you've got these people like living the high life kind of, maybe even like Hunger Games style in the capital. And then you've got everyone else back on like Ferrex and stuff, literally living in like slums. Mm. Um, and I'm just really enjoying the way they've melded these kind of genres together of sci-fi and um, 
spy thriller as well as dystopian and i don't think i've seen it done this well before no there's it's really given us a new which is what i thought it would which is a new angle from like the world of star wars and it's like yes in rogue one we saw some of where how like and we know that essentially the rebels it came from with like within and this is us essentially seeing that early days of how actually a lot of what kind of pushed and helped grow the rebel alliance was people in the high up places from within not liking it and using their position from within to slowly change things and you see them like we're getting to see like that early stages of people being like hmm we need to push against this and they're yeah. starting to do things and then it's obviously very easy to find people at the lower levels that want the empire to fucking burn um yeah. and i love the whole thing of how luthien is luthien luthen luthen like clearly is the one of the main guys in charge of this like little inner circle of higher people that obviously want a rebellion he he is definitely that link between the 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 foot soldiers mm-hmm. and the people inside who have to be very careful. And I like how he was with the girl on the Ferrex. The whole Fix. like, yes, they're like, this is happening. You're take like he knows how the situation was going to go. Like he's telling Cassian like she's going to argue. I'll wear her down. She'll go to agree. And you see all that. And there's a little bit of Cassian thinks about, do I just yoink the ship and leave? Um, do I really want to be doing this? Um, but obviously comes to terms and decides that he does. And then we get to see Lufian, like as he's obviously on his way back, that like having to put on a character. So we've kind of seen what he really is person-wise. And now he's having to put on a character again to fit back in at Coruscant with his whole outfit change, putting on his jewelry. And you see him come out of there and he has to do like a bit of a dance to get himself into his persona. Well, this is one of them things that I can't remember. There used to be a really good police show that like, I think it was called Legends or something that just that like went into this whole thing of like police officers who were going to cover for long periods of time and like the stuff they would have to do to like switch in and out of their persona. Mm-hmm. And you can see that he's at that point where it's getting more and more difficult. Yes. And he needs this to happen now, otherwise he's in danger of slipping up. Yeah, you can see that, like, he he obviously has his routine of changing outfits, but then he, like, really has to kind of force himself back into the character that he needs to be. Um, And then we find out he's, like, this artifact um, artist yeah kind of an art dealer vibe yeah. but obviously typical in a space world typical <laughs> rich man in a space world selling weird alien artifacts from races yeah. they probably selling really, yeah selling really old stuff stolen from other civilizations for profit though fun fact i don't know if you'll have noticed and i only found this out through i think it was tiktok there's a shot where there's like a suit of armor in the back that has like a almost like a sun sort of like rays coming off the helmet of it. That is the exact same armor that Starkiller wears. Oh, really? Which is old Sith armor. 
answered like it's not just a star killer thing but everyone was yeah. like oh is this them kind of hinting at the fact that star is canon or is it Ooh, just them like star wars canon's mucky yeah i know um although live action star killer tv show would slap they'd have to do it they'd have to be careful it, though, it, how good would it be just just make it very clear like in the beginning of each episode this is not star wars canon and then just let us have our fun well it's just more like you've got to really sell how powerful it is but yeah, yeah there was that that was a little detail and then they obviously they go in the little back room and she uh i forget her name the senate woman um moth 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 mana something like that um who people obviously recognize from row one um we see that like how he uses his shop kind of as a front to interact with these other senate people that are in the riskier seats internally yeah. and our, she even talks about like it feels like they're getting more and more like kind of security internally and they're being getting more and more on top of it the empire's getting more and more on top of like yeah. people internally the, the um, fascism is getting more fascist by the day yeah so it's it's getting even harder to kind of have these opposing opinions on things and we even what, see what it with I, her husband yeah from. what i am gonna say is I am already waiting for this show to get called Too Woke for taking a very socialist stance. I mean... Okay, let's be clear. Star Wars has always been so fucking socialist, it's unreal. Yeah. But this show's just actually leaning into that in a more obvious way because it's showing the day-to-day -day running of the Empire. I cannot wait for, like, people who are born in the 60s and 70s who saw Star Wars as a kid, but who are, like, big-time conservative... <laughs> Just being like, souls is shit now. And I'm just like, bro, you misunderstood the point as a child and now you're angry. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Um, and then we got to see some of like their interaction with her husband, who he clearly is. What that relationship is, I don't know. Because from <laughs> that small interaction we got, we're like, these two do not seem suited together. I, I think it was a case of they worked during the Republic but he just kind of is willing to accept life however it is. So fascism took over, but hey, I'm still doing fine, so who gives a fuck? Yeah. Um, he's very much one of the people who, no matter who's in charge, as long as, as, long as he's I'm okay. Yeah, as long as he's okay, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Um, and then people are sometimes just as big a problem as the actual oppressors because they're just sitting there going, hey, I'm fine, who gives a fuck? Yeah, this is true. Um but I'm very, very excited for the rest of this show. I also like how I... We talked about it last week, I think, with the whole thing on the, the episode three when they leave the cube. And he was very interested in Cassian. And I said, I wonder if it's the fact that like he actually just only wanted... And it seems he very much went there because he wanted Cassian. He didn't give a shit about the cube. He, he wanted Cassian. If he could also get the cube, yeah, that'd be handy. But Cassian is the main priority um so it's interesting to see that like he he knew a lot about cassian even when cassian tried to lie about being in the war he was he's just like called him out on it straight away um so he's very well connected 
I think that's all we've got to say on Andor this week, but the next couple of weeks or however long of this is going to be very, very fun indeed, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. One, the inner workings of the Empire, seeing how, like, the Senate and the people internally, how it gets riskier and riskier for them. And then, obviously, we've got this heist that's going to go down, which is going to be... It's going to be so cool, I can already yeah, tell. It's going to be good. The internet broke a couple of days ago. It broke for like two days in a row. Yeah. To be honest. Deadpool 3 <laughs> has I, I, been confirmed. as like, I mean, we knew it was coming, but now I, we have more information. I just want to say, I, I asked for this a long time ago. And, 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 seems... and you didn't think it was possible. That was, that was, that, that was a prayer in the wind. That was a, I would love for this to happen. And you were like, nah, they're not going to do that. And I just want to say, uh, whoever at Marvel is listening to us, I uh, appreciate you being a viewer of ours. And uh, I will take a 5% cut from box office. That'll be fine. Thank you. Uh, emails. So, yeah. so don't get me wrong. Just on the pure face of it, Hugh mm -hmm. Jackman being back as Wolverine for Deadpool 3 is fucking exciting. Yes. That just without even looking any further, that is exciting. What makes me even more excited is how adamant he's been. He's not coming back to the role. Mm. For him to decide to do a 180 on that, he doesn't need money. The man nope. pumps out box office blockbusters. He has seen a script for this and gone, fuck yes. That's what he's seen. And I also do feel um he has only come back, one, like you say, the script must be great, and two, because it's for Ryan. Like 100%. Them two have a brilliant friendship. As much as like they joke on the internet that they hate each other, everyone knows they are just really great yeah. friends. They um, are really, really good friends. You know for a fact that Ryan's gone, do you not think it'd be a fun idea if you were in next Deadpool? And Hugh's gone, uh, man, I feel like I'm done with it. And then Ryan's like, a few months down, I'm gone. Well, here's a script. Have a look and see what you think. Because this is what I would do if you were willing to play Wolverine again. Um, they've gone, you know what? Fuck it. This is going to be fun. It's a good script. It, it's going to have buddy cop movie vibes, I'm sure. But with Deadpool just pissing the ever loving fuck out of Wolverine. I have one thing I hope they do in this Go film. On. Do you remember the X-Men game? Where... X-Men game? Which one? It was one that came out fucking years ago. And it's... You'll know... But it's got, you I, play I, as... No, sorry, that X-Men... When you play Deadpool, the Deadpool game. Oh, the Deadpool game? Yeah, sorry, yeah. The, um, yeah, just yeah, yeah, the Deadpool it was, game's fucking brilliant. Because the X-Men were in it. Oh, you, mean, you, you want the slapping scene? I want the slapping scene. Like, it could be just a few, and it can be like... The most random moment where like Wolverine just gets knocked down and he just jumps on him and starts slapping him to wake him up. Like we need that. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why I like why I said in the past why I wanted this to happen so much is just the pure interactions we will get from these two because of like the Wolverine that we're used to of Hugh Jackman and his like personality when he plays that character is just going to play so well with Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. 100%. And there is 100% going to be some joke about him having a sealed up mouth and blades for arms and all that shit. Like, there's going to be some like slide digs put in there. Of which course I, there is. I can't wait for. 
But I, th I think... Um, so we had the announcement video, which of course was Ryan with a brilliant montage about how hard he was working on making this artistic masterpiece. He's like, I've got nothing. I have no idea what to do. Then <laughs> Hugh walks by in the background. He's like, hey, Hugh, do you want to be in the next... Do you want to be... Do you want, do you want to come again? back for Deadpool 3? Uh, yeah, sure, whatever. And then we get the coolest logo I've ever seen. It's the Deadpool logo with Wolverine's claws going through it to make the three... It's just, it's it's right, it is. Don't get me wrong, it's not going to be some kind of modern masterpiece that deserves all of the Oscars, but for someone like me and yourself, mm -hmm. let's be honest, I was born in 1999. My real exposure to superhero films was them X-Men films starring Hugh Jackman. Mm. Without him, we can say to a degree of certainty that the MCU probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. Nor would this podcast most likely. I think that's fair to say. There's, you can ask like anyone of our age range, like who is the earliest superhero you can think of like on big screen? And people will think of Spider-Man and Wolverine. And like, Yes, there was multiple X-Men films and people will probably remember some, but like out of all of them, there was like that constant of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine across several films. And because he's Wolverine, like, he doesn't age. So it's like, that's why it's the same actor all the time. And like, he became this kind of staple, like constant superhero actor. And brought like, in a way, those first X-Men films were like a mini little MCU, like all being joined together and kind of setting up this little world and Hugh Jackman being a constant figure through actor and playing Wolverine mm -hmm. through them all, it tied them all together. He set up a lot of what MCU, like Marvel's been able to do with the MCU. That um, them X-Men films, as well as the Raimi trilogy, mm -hmm. gave the DNA of the MCU. Yes. And the fact that he's going to be able to get... And this, let's be real, this is... 100% going to be the last time we see him as Wolverine. Yes. This is uh, him having one last ride. He had his last emotional ride. This mm -hmm. is going to be a fun ride. He's going to he's going to be given his suit and he's going to be told go out there and have some fun. This this is going to be essentially a fan service film of we get the MC Marvel going we get to take Wolverine and Hugh Jackman that everyone loves and we've not been able to use and we're going to finally make him exist in the MCU and we're going to tie him in with Daredevil, Daredevil, Deadpool, <laughs> um, too many D's. Um, <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. I knew that was coming. We're like, we'll plug him in with Deadpool. It's the bet. Like it's such a great combo. Everyone's been wanting that combo. Like I feel like more than anything, which is what they've kind of let uh, Ryan do with the Deadpool films is like, He's done fan service with those films because he stayed true to what Daredevil is. Daredevil. And they're like, I was going to say Daredevil again. My brain. Yeah. <sighs> um, the Deadpool, like, he's done fan, the fans, like, proud with those Deadpool films because he stayed true yeah. to them. And I feel like this is their way of being able to go, here you go. Enjoy having Wolverine one last time. Um, yeah. And then it, we also got, like, the confirmation that this is separate to Logan. Yeah. Kind of. Not really. Yeah. They'll, they'll have fun with it. 
I will not be surprised, however, if they use this film to announce who the MCU's long-term Wolverine is going to be. Yeah, so this is my thought now, is do... How how are we, we I think we find out how they tied Deadpool into the MCU, whether it is an alternate universe, whether it is just a, a like slash different timeline, or if they pull a Wolverine out of an alternate universe into our MCU and then that's a new actor. Um but yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be some setup to who takes on the Wolverine mantle, act-wise. Because let's be real, we know they're going to be bringing mutants in, and uh, well, we already know mutants are in, but they're going to be bringing X Men. We know that stuff that's coming. You can't really do X Men without at least having a like someone kind of has to be Wolverine. Wolverine's such a staple character; they can't really do it without. They could, but people would want Wolverine. So they're going to have to sell up a new character or a new yeah. actor to play that character. Um, what I do hope, however, is we've we've said this before on the podcast, every kind of six month, who's going to be the new Wolverine kind of changes mm -hmm. between Daniel Radcliffe, Taron Egerton, Tom Hardy and people like that. Mm -hmm. I would love it for all of them actors to have a cameo in the film, even if they're not the new Wolverine. Just as general Just for people. shits and gigs. Yep. Just for shits and gigs. Uh, that would be funny. And I honestly wouldn't put it past Ryan to do something like that. Um, but, I mean, that's that's all there is to say about it. We've got the yeah. uh, the current release date, which is September 6th, 2024. Um, the press tour for that is going to be phenomenal, I'm sure. There was one little thing that also came with that, breaking the internet, was um, Kowinski. Oh, yes. Where um, did I put that tweet? He, was it in MCU spoiler? He quote tweeted the... I think it was them covering where it sat in things. And he said, yes. oh, is this our film? No, no, no. It was no. the original announcement that he quote retweeted. Okay. That has 38.2 million views, by the way. Jeez. Um, and then John Krasinski quote retweeted, wait, dot, dot, dot. Is this our movie? Which also is like, does that mean he cameos? Or does what that. What do you mean, John? <laughs> people are like, well, is he on about the fact that Fantastic Four comes out just after, doesn't it? Yeah. So. I mean, we know it's. I think we. Well, no, September 24th. Wait, is that. I'm sure um, they're close together. Or am I wrong? No, 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 you're, you're right. Um. I want to say it's like um, the 24th of September. So I'm wondering, do we get a cameo in of him in Wolverine? Or... Sorry, November 8th, 2024. So not even a month later, or just... No, sorry, two months later. I forgot about October. I always forget about October. So either he's just done about the fact that their film comes out just after... Or that's if he, we don't know if he's confirmed as Mr. Fantastic. Um, or he's a cameo, or Deadpool or Wolverine has a little cameo, last cameo in. Um, there's so, there's some at a foot there. Like he was, 
That or he's just fucking playing with the internet and just having some fun. Either that or he's got, hey, yo, there's some free impressions here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, that's about all to be said on Deadpool 3. I am so, so excited. Um, I, my, the last thing I say is like the message I put in our little group chat we have to tagging at Connor, I was just like, oh my God, it's happening. It's actually happening. Exactly. I'm so excited. Um, now, one of, the, one, one of the things we cut off from last week because of how long it was, yeah. was yep. um, an announcement of an Iron Man action-adventure game was um, it being made of... by a studio under EA. Yeah. So it was... it's going to be an EA game, but it's one of their studios who have made other good story games. Was it confirmed that it was in early development i can't remember what it was exactly i don't think it was confirmed as being in early development i think it was confirmed as being in development okay i took that to mean early development but i don't think they specifically said we're in the early stages of this but we know there's one being made which is exciting there's not a lot more to say on that other than please be good yeah it's like just make sure you do a good job of it there's a lot of good potential you could do with an iron man game um, especially because the f- of the nature of like him upgrade upgrading his suits, yeah, you can really have fun with that with some skill trees. I love myself skill tree. Exactly, you have fun with it. We've just got to hope they do it in the right way, mm-hmm. and don't butcher it. And we've talked about EA in the past, so it's like I know they're only overseeing it, but let's just hope yeah, they that- don't influence it too much. Yeah, let's hope they stick to being the the distributor and producer and not worry too much about the actual game. Let the mm. professionals worry about that. Exactly. Um, talking about worrying news, mm. um, there are reports coming out that Blade is not going well. Which I haven't seen, so this is news to me. No. So apparently, Mashal Ali is not happy with the script. Um, apparently it's only 90 pages long which is I assume very short if it's that noteworthy yeah Um, it sounds short apparently there's only two lacklustre fight scenes oh and apparently a big point of concern is this is happening because Kevin Feige is stretched too thin ah so he's left more of it up to the writers or the wrong people yeah he's not overseeing it as closely thinking that people can flesh it out properly and people are yeah not Mm. Mm. it's it's concerning especially the fact that this story's been able to leak yeah like how many bad stories do we get from marvel sets not not many well, there was there was a story about Letitia Wright who plays um Shuri because she was refusing to get vaccinated and apparently was causing sight delays due to her being unsafe during the pandemic. Yeah. And even then, that's about a particular actor, not about the production as a whole. There's I'm trying to think, like the only times we've ever is if there's been kind of some VFX delays. Has been like the only issues we've ever really heard of. Um, so yeah, so this... there's there's one or two ways to look at it. Either this problem isn't actually a problem, and it's happened a ton of times before, and they always managed to sort it out, and this one has just managed to slip through the net story wise, 
or this has never happened before and we should be terrified they're about to butcher a Blade film. So, I, even if this has never happened before, I don't think that, like, the fact that this has come out now, there's zero chance this is, like, past and carries on as is. Like, the fact that this is out there now, like, that will have landed, whether, like, if this wasn't intended to come out and it's truthful or whatever, that will have landed on Kevin's desk, and let's be real, yeah. he isn't gonna allow a Blade film to be the thing that starts the undoing of the MCU. Like, he's not gonna not let, like, he, if, if this had gone by without him knowing, and it was, like, deep in, like, filming and production, like, things were going wrong, then that causes more issues, but the fact that it's kind of, like, coming up now... He he'll turn resources and attention to it. I I believe that it will get addressed and yeah. fixed. Uh, as as far as producing a superhero film goes, Blade should be a slam dunk. Yeah, there's there's plenty of good source material. You've got a phenomenal actor in Mashara Ali to play Blade. Mm -hmm. It's a character that everyone loves. Just. Don't fuck it. Like, that's literally all you have to do. You can make the most bang average film, but because it's Blade, people can be like, yes, let's go. So there's, yeah, like I said, there's no way Kevin's going to go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, it'll be fine. This this is how we die. No. He's yeah. going to be like, this is a Blade film. The reason I'm not paying that much attention is because it's a Blade film. How are you fucking this up? Do you know what I think? Cause I don't know who's, like, the writer or director for the Blade film. And if they've done any of the other MCU ones, because we've obviously seen now he's like Kevin's starting to allow these directors more freedom and like self control of their films that they're being assigned. Oh, one second. Sorry. I've just oh. seen. Pause, Trump. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So yesterday. Oh. So I saw this story about Blade, I think, two days ago. Yesterday, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of stories that come out that apparently the directors left the project. That probably will be why. It's... So there we go. So the Blade news story that I saw, I think, was two days ago. So it, what I'm going to go ahead and assume has happened based on the timeline in my head is Kevin's seen this. He's gone, okay, I want to see the script. I want to see any work you've already done. This is not good enough. Goodbye. Pretty much. Because we, we've talked about it before on past episodes that Kevin is quite clearly trying to move away from being in charge of every single MCU ship that is currently sailing at this moment. And he's trying to allow directors to take more control of their own ships so that it's less on his plate, which is understandable because there's a lot going on at the moment. Doesn't mean he's going to let you release a bad film, though. <laughs> no. But also, we have to look at who has already had control of a ship. All the directors in that that have had more control have done a good job. So it's kind of that, like, not being naive, but Kevin's probably had this, like, false sense of, like, okay, this, this, this like... This, this, this works. This release of the reins a bit is working. Like, the directors are doing good jobs, films are going great, what up? And then it's, like, Blade is the first one where a director's not met the standard, or the writer, whoever, like, if it is the director that's also done the writing. And Kevin's gone, ah, shit. And he's now having to grab the, the reins of that ship and get it like grab the wheel and get it back going i mean is it 
Is it a problem? It, yeah, but will it get fixed? Yeah, most likely. There's plenty of time. I'm not too worried. Yeah. But if we hear more stories in six months' time, nine months' time, that's when we really need to start getting concerned. As long as this is like a... I think what will happen is you're going to get a very set group of directors. Like, Kevin's going to find the people that he trusts with this stuff over and over again. And it's going to become like a more kind of contained small group of directors that do more of the projects. Yeah. Um, because he'll find the ones he can trust to do, to manage it and the ones that have the right vision that align with what the MCU is doing. Um, I agree. So hopefully this is a one-off, a contained little issue. Um, but yeah, like you say, especially with the phase, six, phase, phase five and six and how busy they're going to be, if there's ever going to be issues start arising, it's going to be over this next year or two. So we just kind of have to wait and see, I suppose. Um, um, in what I would class good news, however. Yes. Black Panther 2's um, runtime has been leaked, confirmed, announced, one of the three. Um, at two hours, 41 minutes. Yeah, we're getting back towards the three hour mark, which I love. Fuck yeah, baby. That's going to give us a lot of time to establish what happened to T'Challa, mm -hmm. what Namor's beef is, who's mm -hmm. also been confirmed to be a mutant, by the way, oh. um, and also who is taking over. It's Shuri, I'm 99.9% .9 sure, but it gives time for that story of her dealing with being thrusted into this role, um, a bit of time to flourish. Yeah, it's it we, we can be pretty confident that nothing really in this film should feel too rushed they've got a lot of time to portray all these different things that need to these transitions of power who the new threats are and whatever else this is going to set up for the mcu um so being closer to three hours i'm all for i love my longer exactly. films. um and that brings us on to our superhero showdown for this week yes Daredevil versus Ghost Rider. Yeah, Daredevil, not De Deadpool. Yeah, not Deadpool. Daredevil. <laughs> the blind one. Not the one riddled with cancer. Oh, so not the one with his mouth sewn shut. Oh. No, 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 not that one at all. <laughs> no, he's nowhere um, to be seen. <laughs> I have given the advantage to Daredevil. I've seeded him lower, as I believe Ghost Rider has a lot more power. Or a fair bit more power. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think the best option we go with here is Ghost Rider doesn't have his bike, car, vehicle, or chain. He's he's bare fist in it. Mm, okay. Mm, mm. Um, I think that's probably the easiest. Bearing in mind these two are the closest seeding we've had so far as well. We don't want too big an advantage. Um, so I think that's a little bit of an advantage without going too far. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because I do feel like the chain... I was trying to think whether it's worth him still having his chain, but... I mean, we saw what happened to Daredevil in the show when he got attacked by a chain with her. So, maybe we don't. I think um, we, I think we uh, stick with what you said. Uh, standard rules are applying. Mm -hmm. um, we are bloodlusted. Morals are out the window. We're in a neutral environment. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got the advantage as stated 
i.e. Ghost Rider does not have his vehicle or weapons. Um, what, what do we think? Who's winning this? Now, Dedo was going to... I don't think go, anything of, like, Ghost Rider's being and the fact that he's fucking skeleton on fire or whatever... I don't know. If, I don't feel that that affects any of Daredevil's senses in any way. Um, you know what? I couldn't speak to that. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and assume he can still sonar him pretty easily. Yeah. Um. Um. That is something we probably should have checked, but we're going off our own knowledge. So I'm gonna go ahead and assume it's not fucking his sonar. I. Would like to think Daredevil. I guess it comes down to a stamina thing, right? Because Daredevil is strong fire, like. I mean, he's intelligent. Human condition. Yeah. Um. I guess it comes down to like, does he? Because they're going fist to fist. Um. Can he? overpower Ghost Rider longer than Ghost Rider can... Because Ghost Rider, oh. I'm right in thinking that he has a... Like, he's got more stamina and more... It is my knowledge, and this is my knowledge, I could well be wrong, that Ghost Rider doesn't get tired. Yeah. Um, Because he's just, like, a spirit of vengeance. He's fueled by, like, Hellfire, quite literally. Yeah. I don't think he gets tired. Um, while Daredevil is probably a more competent combatant through his martial arts training, I think Ghost Rider's ability to not really feel any pain and just not get tired, eventually Daredevil's going to be so exhausted from throwing these kicks that Ghost Rider is able to catch one and then just, like, melt his face. Yeah, that's, like, my thought is going in the same direction of, well, yes, Daredevil's a competent fighter, and will no doubt be a solid fight for Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah, it's not not a stomping ground at all. It comes down to what a lot of these first-round fights have been in the brackets. It is simply he can't... Outlast him. Go. Yeah, he can't do this all day. Yeah, no. Um, so I do think, like, Daredevil's eventually, like, he is going to get exhausted eventually. And however long that takes, I think Ghost Rider can outlast whatever length of time that is. And when Daredevil's exhausted, like, he, what, what are you going to do? Like, you've got no strength, no energy, no stamina left. Like, Ghost Rider's just going to pummel him. Um, so, yeah, I think. I agree, I agree, I agree. I think you're right, and we're in agreement that Ghost Rider will win against Daredevil. Very sad. Hate hate to see my boy uh, Daredevil get done like that. I guess this will be um, another situation in which people have to wait for more Daredevil. Um. <laughs> God. And it's a situation where Donnie Blaze... <laughs> you, you, you mean the Human Torch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, throwbacks to our own episodes. Bom bom bom. I'm a fa- I'm, I'm a fan of throwbacks in all kinds of comedy, so it makes sense. Part of my humour. 
But there we go. I think we're hitting my promise of being right around that two-hour mark. Yes, we've actually not over-rambled on our episodes this week. Definitely has helped not having three Andor episodes to cover. Yeah. Five episodes was always going to be a lot, and then we just got way too into the Lord of Rings discussion, and it just it got derailed. Um, But we heard you loud and clear via the lack of interest on the video. We will keep it around that golden two-hour mark as well as segments. Yeah, and we'll we hear hear you loud and clear. We will lean more back into just covering our opinions on things that go on in the show, less of a step-by-step breakdown of every scene that happens. The only scenes we'll probably fully break down will be scenes that we absolutely hate or love, I imagine. Yeah, Um, there's like very specific, like we break down a scene because there's something that happens and it is important to talk about. But um, let us know down in the comments if you prefer the way we've broken down the episodes this week. Yes. Um, Make sure you like the video if you've got all this way because there's no way you've watched this for two hours if you hate it. And if you do, let us know that you hated it and you watched the entire thing because you're a, a sociopath. Um, make sure you're subscribed. We're like four subscribers off 200. So, Pug. yeah, you missed the initial 100, but you can be part of the initial 200. And when we're at a million subs, being in the first 200 is going to feel pretty cool. Mm, this is true. You can be so, an like, OG. Do you know what I mean? You can be one of them people that in two years' time were like, hey, OG fans, can you not gatekeep the new fans? Like... <laughs> We get it, you're an OG and we love you for that, but like so like yeah. you could be one of them guys, maybe. When, That'd be when cool. We're discussing phase eight of the MCU and we're yeah. in a whole new area of Star Wars history and Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um go follow us on Twitter as well. We're also cutscene convos over there. I am very bad at running that Twitter, so if people want to go follow us over there so that when I tweet people respond so I have something to go off of, that would be phenomenal. Um forbidden planet affiliate link down below somewhere probably in the link tree yeah um if you want to buy comics or anything um click on that link or pop figures and then or yeah they books. do they do do pop figures um follow that link go down there it'll be great um but thank you yeah. very much we hope you enjoyed the episode we appreciate enjoy you your all. weekend yes and we'll see you next week see you next week